My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood. Hi, my name is Eric Rose. Welcome to the Redemption Midweek Podcast. This week, we'll hear our Easter sermon entitled, Found by the Risen Christ, by Pastor Caleb Hughes. In his sermon, Pastor Hughes teaches that Easter changes everything. Our scripture passage was John 20, verses 1 through 10. And in our reading, we find John giving his account of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Let's listen together. My anchor holds within the veil on Christ the solid Mary ran to Peter and John, distraught because Jesus' body was apparently stolen. That's what she, she fills in the gaps. It seems his body was stolen. And so John and Peter sprint to the tomb, and John includes this curious little detail that he beat Peter to the tomb. This is the climactic moment of all of history. He's reflecting on the fact that the Lord and Savior of the world has conquered sin, but he also wants you to know that he beat Peter to the tomb. And I just don't, I don't know definitively why he puts that in there. You flip through all the John commentaries, you listen to all the John 20 sermons, and everybody is just perplexed. Why would he include this detail of beating Peter to the tomb? And it could be that this is another apologetics thing. He could be working with that journalistic mentality that the more detail you offer in a story, the more credibility it has. So maybe he's just trying to give a very detailed account, and that's, that's a possibility that I think has some weight to it. But I, I also want to propose that maybe, maybe, and hear me out, maybe it's to show us that the resurrection is the event, the only event, that unites totally different people in common worship. Maybe this is meant to show us that the resurrection unites totally different people in common worship because the personalities of people, as we see throughout the gospel narratives, and yet here they are both running to the tomb. And I want to see what that might show us. See, throughout the gospels, we get this picture of John as a very contemplative Guy. He's the, if you read the Gospel of John and compare it to Luke or Matthew, he starts off with this complex Trinitarian idea and he ends with the exact same idea. And the whole time you feel like you're reading more of a spiritual biography about Jesus than you are just a, a physical one. He's a very complex, contemplative, slow thinker. And so in the story, John rushes to the tomb, and he outruns Peter, but what does he do next? He stops at the tomb. He doesn't run in. He looks around the corner into the tomb, and he ponders. He assesses what he's seeing, trying to piece together what it might mean. But what does Peter do? Peter gets there last, sure, but he's the first one into the tomb. Because remember, this is the Peter who thought, maybe that's Jesus on the water over there. I'm going to go find out. He stepped out of a boat and walked on water to find Jesus. This is the hasty Peter. This is the one who is all about action. He's the one who, when Jesus was getting arrested, drew out a sword and chopped off the guard's ear. This is the action-oriented Peter. Sure, he gets to the tomb second, but he's the first one in. And then there's... Mary, if you realize, Mary told them that Jesus was missing from the tomb, 
the disciples run there, but Mary is the one that shows up later and sees Jesus resurrected. Apparently, she's been walking back to the tomb slowly. She gets there long after they've already left, and she's weeping the whole time because Mary is a different kind of person. Mary is just longing to receive back her Savior. She's moving slowly. And we get this picture of these three very different disciples of Christ. Their personalities coming through, and yet they all have one common object of love, affection, and worship because they're all centered on this tomb and where their Savior might be. Because Jesus is the one being above all others who is for everybody, including you. And you can't figure out what it is. Have you ever had one of those moments where you look at something and it seems mostly right, but there's something just a little bit off and you can't place your finger on it? That's what you're seeing here. That's what you, John, are experiencing here. Something is off. You can't tell what it is. And as you're staring into the tomb trying to piece this together, it suddenly hits you. The burial linens are still here. The body's gone, but the linens are missing. The body's gone, but the linens are still here. And that makes you wonder if Mary's hypothesis was correct. See, Mary thought the body must have been stolen. But if somebody was trying to steal a body, maybe to rebury Jesus somewhere else or to dispose of it or something, why would they go through the trouble of unwrapping it and carrying the body out naked? That doesn't make any sense. Usually, Robbers are quite hasty in what they're trying to do. Why would they go through all that trouble? So that doesn't make sense. And he's thinking, well, the other option is that maybe they weren't after the body of Jesus. Maybe they were here for financial gain. Maybe they were trying to rob the tomb because there's something valuable in here. And then he thinks, but that can't be it either because all the valuable goods are in the linens. The linens are expensive. That was a a commodity. And not only that, but they're filled with, best we can tell, about 70 pounds of expensive perfumes and spices to preserve the body. That was the custom at the time. And so if they were after the financial gain, why would they leave the most expensive part? John's trying to figure all of this out, and suddenly here comes Peter rushing past him, not thinking about it at all, just running into the tomb, And that gives John the courage to follow him in, so you also enter into the tomb. And you see that not only were the burial linens from the body still there, but folded up in the corner is the head linen. Folded up in the corner, away from everything else, is the wrapping from Jesus' head when he was buried. And just like that, John sees the head linen, and it clicks for him. This is not a crime scene. This is a resurrection scene. And John is astonished. The text tells us seeing and believing because he knows right here that Jesus was not stolen. Jesus was risen from the dead. And what sparks that realization? It's the head linen folded neatly 
in the corner. Because here's the thing, grave robbers don't take the time to fold clothes. Okay, grave robbers don't take the time to fold clothes. Most of us sometimes don't take the time to fold our own clothes when we plan on using them. A grave robber is certainly not going to do this. The only person John is piecing together who would take the time to fold the head wrapping and set it neatly in the corner is somebody who is trying to send a message that death couldn't hold him. Death couldn't hold him. Now remember, this isn't the first resurrection in the Gospel of John. Somebody else has been raised from the dead in the Gospel of John. John chapter 11, as we looked at recently, Jesus brought Lazarus back from the dead. And verses 43 to 44 say that Jesus cried out with a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. And the man who had died, his hands and his feet bound with linen strips and his face wrapped with a cloth, walked out of the tomb. And Jesus said to them, unbind him and let him go. See, Jesus has already proven that death obeys his voice, and yet there's something unsettling about the fact that Lazarus came out of the tomb still with the linens on. Remember, when Jesus told Lazarus' family, I'm going to raise him from the dead, they said, Jesus, are you crazy? Don't open the tomb. He's been in there for four days. It's going to smell terrible. That was their concern because the body was going to smell bad. It was going to be in the process of decaying. It was wrapped in these linens. And it's this haunting image, and yet it's so vivid, that even though Lazarus was raised from the dead, he was still bound by death. He still had on those chains of death. You see, Lazarus is one of the few people in Scripture that has the displeasure of dying twice. Because even though he came walking out of that tomb, he was still bound by death. And yet not the case with Jesus. See, he was raised, but he would never die again. He was raised, but he took off the linens. He was raised and he took off those symbolic chains of death because he was no longer bound by them. The linens were powerless. He would never die again. And the most disrespectful thing that anyone has ever done is Jesus taking the time to fold up the head wrapping and set it neatly in the corner as if to say, I own you. You have no power. This is Jesus saying, death, where is your sting? This is Jesus becoming the king in Psalm chapter 2 who's being mocked by all the other kings in the world who are plotting to kill them. And what does he do? He laughs at them because they don't stand a chance. This is Jesus acting out what Peter is going to preach later in Acts chapter 2 when he says it was impossible for death to keep him. See, the resurrection is not a miracle. The resurrection is not a miracle. The death of Christ was a miracle. But it was impossible for him to stay dead. Jesus coming back to life is the most natural thing that could ever happen. Because in the end, Jesus must win. That's what Martin Luther means in that hymn, A Mighty Fortress is Our God, when he says, and he must win the battle. 
He must win the battle because it's impossible for him to lose the battle. As one preacher put it, the tomb was in fact had the grave robber raised by a grave robber. Mary got that part right. But they had the grave robber wrong. Jesus was not stolen. He robbed the grave of its death because Easter actually does change everything. His oath, his covenant and blood support me in the whelming flood when all around If you'd like to hear the rest of the sermon, you can find it at redemptionpres.com. You can also reach us at our email address at redemptionchurchpca at gmail.com. Thanks again for listening to the Redemption Midweek Podcast. Until next time, God bless. All other ground is sinking sand.